In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, listeners. Just so you know, this episode has a bit of cursing in it, just in case you're listening around younger years. People are curious, and that's great. But there are some questions you just shouldn't ask, or at least not like that. I'm Harvinder Vadva. I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And this is Inappropriate Questions. Let's get inappropriate. Harv, I actually am realizing I, I don't know the exact answer to this, but how old are you? Hmm. Okay, let me tell you a story here, Alina. <laughs> when I came to Canada many, many years ago, I was told that if you don't want to get into trouble, don't ask anybody about their age or salary, but feel free to talk about their sex life. <laughs> okay, well, I would much rather know your age than about your sex life, to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so jokes aside, uh, uh, I was very, very comfortable sharing my age up until quite recently, mm. there are a lot of lot of biases associated with it, which I was quite unaware of it until a few years ago. Mm. So, and that's why I've started being a little more circumspect about my age. Yeah, no, that's fair. All of these biases uh, can be described as ageism, which is just quite generally the discrimination that you face uh, based on your age. So this episode, we're looking at ageism and how different communities experience it so we can get a broader understanding of this question. Fantastic. So relevant to me. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> Takeaways for Harv is what we want. And he was just like, oh, I'd rather be dead than your age. There are social factors that cause Black people to age faster inside. I think it's only inappropriate in an ageist culture. It has become so. Ashton Applewhite is an American author and activist, and her work is all about aging and ageism. She's the author of This Chair Rocks, a manifesto against ageism, and also runs the blog Yo, Is This Ageist?, where she answers people's questions about whether something is ageist or not. This episode, we're talking about the question, how old are you? Have you had experience being asked this question? I usually um, get in there first and say how old I am as a deliberate act. Right. Uh, <laughs> In the book, I mention a, a very radical friend of mine who refuses to say how old she is, not because the usual reason is we want people to think we're younger than we are. Yeah. <laughs> because we live in a culture that equates youth with all good things right. and anything non-young with all bad things. Mm -hmm. So that is why how old are you is a complicated question. Right. She refuses to give people that answer so they cannot pigeonhole her. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Just like withholding your age from the doctor would be to make it harder for the doctor to pigeonhole you as a certain set of possible ailments for rather sure. than looking at you yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it's very important to say how old you are because otherwise it feels like and usually is mm-hmm. a sign of age denial. Mm-hmm. And when we deny our age, that is when ageism starts to sink its little hooks in us, mm-hmm. right? That's when you start to get on the hamster wheel of I don't want to think about it, of lying about our age, of right. fudging our resumes. Mm-hmm. I completely understand why so many people do those things, you know, dye our hair to cover the gray, especially women, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They are really successful strategies. No judgment. Right. Mm -hmm. But those behaviors, they are not good for us because they are rooted in shame Mm. about something that should not be shameful. And from a structural point of view, you know, I'm an activist, they give a pass to the discrimination. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, a side comment, you know, normally people tell me, oh, I am uh, young at heart. Oh. <laughs> That's a typical one which you hear mm-hmm. uh, when somebody sees you as an older person, whatever the definition of uh, old is. Yeah. Can I give you a, a, can I suggest a response? Oh, certainly. Say, what do you mean by that? Mm. Just ask that in a neutral way, mm-hmm. not in a gotcha you know, way, but but what do you mean by that? Okay. And then presumably the person will say, well, you're so enthusiastic. Right. Well, why why do you think enthusiasm is a trait of the young? And let that uncomfortable silence sit there for a minute, Mm -hmm. because then the person has to think about, why did I use that word? Because we use young and old, generally positive for youth Mm -hmm. and negative for old. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, when people say, I don't feel old, What they really mean is I don't feel sad. I don't feel ugly. I don't feel useless. I don't feel incompetent. Right. (laughs) When in fact, those those ways of feeling, you know, we can feel at any time. You can feel sexy at 80. Yeah. You can feel incompetent at eight. Mm -hmm. Use the actual trait, good or bad. (laughs) Mm. Before you became an expert on ageism, how did you feel about getting older? In hindsight, I really, I started thinking, um, writing on the subject in my mid-50s because I was afraid of getting old. And within a matter of weeks, learned that almost everything I thought I knew about late life was way off base or not nuanced enough or flat out wrong. And so I became obsessed with why so few people know those things. So can we go back one step? Why were you afraid of getting old? Because like uh, everyone else in the Western world just about, um, I was bombarded with negative messages about age and aging from childhood on. The dominant narrative is that to age is um, a narrative of loss, certainly, and even a narrative of failure. Uh, And I thought everything about getting older would be um, grim And that one of the awful things about it was clearly that as death approached, you would become more um, preoccupied by that and it would be more scary. I mean, I envisioned this, you know, grim reaper shadow, you know, looming over the sad iron bedstead. (laughs) It turns out that, I mean, and I think most people do. I don't think these are nightmarish fears. I think most of us don't. Don't think about it or try not to think about it, but those are dark fears that I think are at the surface for a lot of us. And then I learned that the older people are, the less they fear dying. Mm -hmm. Aging 
is living. We are aging from the minute we are born. Okay, it's not just something annoying that old people do. Right. <laughs> and dying is a discrete biological event that happens at the end of all that living. Hmm. Another one of the facts I stumbled across, and when I when I encountered it, I cannot tell you how skeptical I was at the beginning. It's called the U-curve of happiness. Hmm. And it shows that people are happiest hmm. at the beginnings and the ends of their lives. Hmm. And I thought, well, they must have cornered two 80-year-olds and given them a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> or it, that must be okay if you're wealthy. That must be the fact if you're healthy. That must be the fact if your spouse is still alive. That curve obtains across class, across marital status, across culture. Hmm. And the psychological underpinnings of it are that as we become aware that, that time is short, we become more able to focus in the moment. You know, I, I love to point out that uh, even if aging is so awful, how come no one actually wants to be any younger? Hmm. Hmm. To either of you, would you roll the clock back? Oh, that's a good question. Well, would you, Harv? Oh, huh, that's actually a very good question. Uh, yes and no. Yeah, you don't get a yes or no. You get a yes yeah. or a no. <laughs> yeah, because, and you are right, because a lot of those fears which I had when I was in my 20s, I don't have those fears. But then I have very different fears now. So that's why it's not a binary answer. Right. There are new fears, of course, always. You know, life is complicated. Mm -hmm. But we know, I mean, the two inevitable bad things about getting older are that people you've known all your life are going to die, which is terrible, mm. right. and that some part of your body is going to fall apart. I mean, and that sucks too. Right. I don't want to sugarcoat the scary stuff, but I want people to have a fact rather than fear-based attitude towards aging, not least because one of the many things I've learned in the years since is that those fears themselves, that apprehension, is bad for us, cognitively and physically. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I never thought about ageism the way you are describing it. and It's it's new ideas to most people. Exactly. And and when you say it, it everything is making uh, so much sense, and I'm figuring out, trying to figure out why did I not think about it? <laughs> How is that in this age of instant communication and wealth of knowledge everywhere? Why are we still having these conversations? These conversations should have finished way back when and all should have been settled. Mm. Yeah, I mean, these are new ideas to people. Um, but once you're really past middle age um, and you know, people ask me all the time, so where, where, when is middle age? Exactly. That was my question. <laughs> when does old begin? I would say if there is pretty obviously more road behind you than ahead, it crosses your mind. And most of us, unless we stop to learn more, as, as I have done, sort of brush it out of the way and mm -hmm. don't want to think about it because it has so many negative associations. Um, when in fact, the more you know about aging, the less fear it has for you. And that's not just my theory. Mm -hmm. And my favorite study is one out of Yale that showed that people with fact rather than fear-based attitudes towards aging mm -hmm. were less likely to get Alzheimer's, even if they had the gene that predisposed them to the disease. Wow. Huh. Wow. That is interesting. That's wild. Right? Right, right. right. Uh, as the, given that we're a bit of a, an intergenerational hosting gig here, as the younger part of that. Who's the younger? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, I'd love to ask what ageism is like. Um, 
Because you've said that ageism cuts both ways. Mm -hmm. What is ageism like? Like, what are the ageist assumptions we make about younger people? Well, typically that uh, younger people don't know what they're doing, Mm. um, that they're too inexperienced to you know, run a podcast, um, <laughs> take take out my appendix, um, have an informed opinion on something. If you're working on a team, that, that your opinion is as valuable as anyone else's. I don't like any language that privileges old over young or young over old. I mean, ageism is any judgment on the basis of age. One way or the other, yeah. Older people do experience a lot more of it because we live in such a youth-obsessed society, but Mm. every single individual deserves respect. And I don't think you'll catch me saying older people are better at, you know, X, Y, Z in a workplace is a good example because the best teams are mixed age, right? Yeah. Agreed. The best um, housing situations are intergenerational Mm. for reasons that are intuitively and and logistically obvious. Mm. One of the things which uh, Elena mentioned to me uh, earlier was the OK Boomer comment. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think of this comment? Uh, Is it to do with ageism or is it to do with uh, something else? OK Boomer is in reference to people who have not troubled to keep up with the times. It's ageist because it references an age group of which I am a card-carrying member. I was born in 1952, dead center Mm -hmm. of the baby boom. So if you use OK Boomer as just a slap at me to say, you're you're old, you couldn't possibly know anything, and I'm young, so I'm better, Mm -hmm. that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But I happen to think that it is incumbent on us as we age, if we want to play a part in current affairs, to pay attention, to learn. If you don't want to, that's fine. There's no one right way to get old, of course. But then I do think you forfeit, you know, your right to comment and to have your comments be as respected as if you were learning about new trends, new ideas as they emerged. I think the danger of OK Boomer is that it pits older people as the enemy. And that is the fatal trap we cannot allow ourselves to fall into. Mm -hmm. Right. Because then we're divided. We're arguing about whether boomers are bad or good instead of joining forces. Right. Would you say asking how old are you is inappropriate? Is that an inappropriate question? You know, I think it's only inappropriate in an ageist culture. It has become so. Mm -hmm. Right. It is almost always irrelevant. Mm. We think it's really important because we have a habit of needing to know it. Mm -hmm. A perfect example is newspaper stories. Mm. I would like age to be removed from all newspaper stories that are not obituaries or stories about prodigies. And I have always wondered, why the hell do they write the age? (laughs) Thank you. They do it out of habit. And, you know, most journalists don't like this idea. And they say, well, it's part of, you know, the who, what, when, where, why. And we want people to know that confusion is a good thing. Mm. We used to put race in newspaper stories and we don't do it anymore. Right. All of us are biased, right? If we know the age, if we know the race, we can't help but default perhaps subconsciously to inner biases. If that information is missing as it should be, Mm -hmm. we can't default to those biases, right? Right. So if someone feels like they want to ask someone about their age or feels that curiosity, Um, would your recommendation just be to not go there or is there a better way we can open up discussions about age? 
my recommendation would be to think really hard about why you want to know. Right. Is it because you want to go sailing with them next uh, Sunday and you're wondering if they can climb in and out of the boat? In which case, <laughs> test their you know test their grip strength, see how they do going up and down the stairs, right? Are they old enough to drive? You can figure that out. What's going on between you and them? What you hope they're interested in or what you might want to do with them or whatever? Is age really part of that or not? The answer I can pretty much guarantee is no. So then ask a better question tailored to what is more specifically um, relevant to what you want to know about them. I'm Ian Mackay, and I am Elena's grandpa. I am 72. I am Helen Grace, and I am Elena's grandma. I am 78. When people ask me how old I am, I feel very comfortable telling them my age. I haven't... Nothing to hide with my age. I usually upfront my age uh, these days because uh, what I find is people sometimes are too nervous about actually knowing what age us elders are. Most especially women, I find. I, I feel more accepted when people actually know it's not just that I look old, I am old. I think it would be perfectly okay to ask how old I am. The difficulty is, is that going to get used against me? If you're looking for somebody um, with a certain skill set and a certain background and I fit that background and I happen to be 72, would you rule me out? A lot of people, I'm sure, would, would say, um, I think I'd be discriminated against if I, if I gave my age. I'm Trana Winter, a writer, comedian, singer, basically Barbra Streisand minus the money and some of the talent. And I'm Thomas LeBlanc, a gay Quebecois host and producer who's really, really, really into Celine Dion. We're the hosts of Chosen Family, a CBC podcast where we speak to our heroes about what it means to find community in the creative process. Chosen Family is available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you ever see the How Hard Did Aging Hit You Facebook challenge? You know, I never go on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is for old people. Uh, okay, ageist stereotypes up in here. Um, <laughs> it's this challenge where you post two photos of yourself that are from a decade apart, and then you know, you're trying to show people mm. how much you've oh. aged or, or not. Very interesting. Very interesting. Someone who did this challenge is Elizabeth Wellington. She's a journalist and lifestyle columnist. And when she did the challenge, she got a bunch of interesting comments. So they'll say, oh, my God, you don't age or what happened? Like, you know, how, are you a vampire? She noticed that in all these posts, she and other black women looked similar to what they looked 10 years ago. So then I figured I would write this piece kind of about how people always talk about how dynamic and wonderful black women look. But there's so many other health problems and things that it, it was just one of those like irony things. She wrote a piece about this called Black Don't Crack on the Outside, but it could be cracking on the inside. We connected with her to speak more about perceptions of aging and youth for black women and how that impacts their health. As someone who gets told how young you look, you must get asked about your age a lot. How does it feel not being seen as your age? 
I've kind of been that way since I was younger. Like when I was 16, people thought I was 12. Mm. Um, when I was 18, people thought I was 16. Right. When I was 25, I was get, I, I still get carded. I'm like 46 <laughs> years old now. Oh, and, wow. I still, and I still get carded when I go out. It's like, um, can I see your card? And I'm like, sweet Jesus, you can see my ID here. <laughs> and then they look and they look at my face and they look at the numbers again and they look at my face and it's like, oh my. And I'm like... <laughs> yes. Then you feel really good for like five minutes. All right. You know, on one level, people kind of, you know, as I started doing working in journalism, people kind of, um, when you look like a young woman or especially a young black woman, mm. people tend to underestimate you. Right. So you can really get the information that you need. Like they would send me to high schools and I can walk right through the high school and nobody, I was 25 years old walking through high schools. Like nobody stopped me. I would be on college campuses. Nobody would stop me. I could walk through hospitals and emergency rooms where there were murders and stuff. Oh my God. Like never, ever, ever was I stopped. So being underestimated was like your kind of superpower almost. Mm -hmm. This was great. Yeah. (laughs) But then on some levels, like I couldn't get guys my age to date me because they all thought I was jailbait. Oh, wow. (laughs) You're 35 years old and a 22 year old is hitting on you and you're like, Please, um, that might be why I'm still single. So there's, you know, so there's comings and goings, and plus, you know, you never feel confident in negotiations. Kind of mm. like I probably should be making more money, um, right. but you know, how do I negotiate? You know, it's like a give and take. You know, right, right, right. Mm. In your piece, you talk about uh, the saying "black don't crack." Mm-hmm. Is this just something you have been experiencing personally, or is this happening to black women in general? I mean, I think generally speaking, black women tend to look a little bit younger than their white women counterparts. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has more to do with melanin and the amount of exposure to the sun that you are in. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a study that was done a couple of like right after I did that story. There was a story that was done a couple of months later that I wrote about about how black people tend to have more dense bone tissue Mm -hmm. underneath their cheekbones Mm -hmm. and their jaws and their eyes. And that's where people tend to wrinkle. So there's there's some just some genetic and there's some um, biological reasons that black people as a whole tend to look younger, just mm-hmm. more youthful than mm-hmm. white people. But then there are also um, societal pressures there are social factors that cause black people to age faster inside because of systematic racism that we've heard that term a lot. So black people tend to have higher blood pressure. Black people tend to live in, a lot of times live in food deserts. Mm. So they don't have the same access to good food. Or you have diabetes runs in our families. It's been proven that black women tend to be more obese than white women. Mm -hmm. So weight gain will age you. And the stress of living in this world as a black woman and as a single black woman. Mm. So there are ways that we can physically look younger Mm -hmm. because of genes, but there are also ways that inside, we may look 10 years younger on the outside, but we may be 30 years older on the inside. And what difference does that, you know, what does that make? Mm. Yeah, that that complicates a lot of stuff. What effect does the idea that black people don't age or age differently Mm have on the black community? Well, yeah, I think the black body in general has been, historically, we've had to be healthy and strong, Mm. right? To do the work that we've had to do without any maintenance and upkeep. Right. Mm -hmm. The black body has been beaten. And then the black body has to continue to work long after its white counterpart bodies Mm-hmm. don't have to work anymore without the same level of health care and upkeep and even self-care. 
because you don't have time to give yourself self-care if you are taking care of someone else's family as well as your own right. around the clock, 24 hours a day. But then when healthcare opened up and, you know, somewhat more access, and you can go to the doctors. What happens is now black women are like, well, you know, I don't have time to go to the doctor. I'm not going to take care of myself. Look, I look good. I feel good. Uh, not knowing that your blood pressure inside is like 250 over 80 and you're a walking stroke. Right. So I think the detriment is, is that there is there is still detriment just because you look fabulous in the eyes of, you know, the world or you have less wrinkles doesn't mean that you're a walking bill of health. Mm. And I guess because in our society, we really conflate like looking youthful and looking beautiful Mm. with health. I'm sure that Mm -hmm. adds to it. And also there's mental health, like mental health can age you. Being stressed out can age you. You know, when you do a, a tongue-in-cheek piece about black don't crack and you look good and this, and which is what I did, right? And then yeah. inside, then you had to go deeper and be like, you know, well, we look fantastic. That doesn't mean that we're living longer and we're happier and our bodies are in great shape and we're doing all the things that we need to do to stay alive. Mm. Wow. See, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, we look at a very small portion of those things. And mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have actually uh, uh, illuminated stuff which... I don't think so very many people understand that. Child, yes, that's why my inbox gets filled with the crazy emails. Like, there's no such thing as institutionalized racism and systemic yeah. racism. Yeah. And, yeah. and girl, you look good too. You, There's no racism because you don't have no wrinkles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, you're, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you, if every day you are living in this world that doesn't, that treats you like you don't matter, right. then, then it's going to play its hole. Mm-hmm. Going to our question how old are you would you consider that as an inappropriate question if somebody asked you that question i don't know i guess it depends on who's asking it and the tone that someone's asking it in mm-hmm. right like i've never had anyone ask me that question like well damn bitch how old are you like you know it's never been <laughs> or you really must be old or you know i've yeah. never had that question asked me in a sense that there's someone's trying to knock me out of the running for something mm-hmm. but i think you know all questions can be inappropriate. Like, and I guess it's funny because I work in fashion, but working being as a fashion lifestyle writer, you have to ask the most inappropriate questions. You have to ask people right. how old they are. You have to ask people what size they wear. You right. have to ask people what size bra are you wearing. Right, so, right, right. so it's all. I think all questions can be inappropriate, and even the most appropriate questions can be inappropriate if asked in an inappropriate way. Sarah. How old are you, Sarah? Five and a half. Have you ever been told you can't do something because you're too young? Yes. What was that? When I grew up, I wanted a boyfriend, but they don't let me get a boyfriend because I'm too young. Hi, my name is Benjamin. I'm nine years old. What I like about being nine years old is that I get to spend time with my friends and I also get to ride my new bike. An age I would like to be one day is 34 because I would like to be a dad. As a queer person, this topic made me think a lot about age in the queer community. Older and younger LGBTQ people don't always understand each other's experiences. I think about how a lot of older people lived through the AIDS crisis, whereas we younger folks have had to seek out that piece of history. 
That's what got me interested in actor Sam Pancake's story. He had a video go viral where he shares an ageist encounter that he had with another gay person. I'm an actor and I was at this sort of industry event and a person that I knew who's a younger gay writer, sort of personality podcaster. I was texting and he was looking over my shoulder. He's just not someone I like very much. And um, <laughs> so he said to me, why is your um, text so large? God, you're so old. So old. It's such like playground third grade bullshit. Like, you know, yeah. Um, and I said, well, you know what? It's, it, it's because, you know, I can't see. I have to I even wear contacts and I have to wear reading glasses. And that's what happens with age. And he said, oh, God, how old are you? And I said, I'm 54 because I was at the time. And he was like, uh, 54, God, I, I would never want to be your age. Mm. And I said, well, one day you either will be my age or you'll be dead. Mm. Those are the two choices. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, oh, God, I'd rather, oh, I'd rather be dead than your age. <sighs> I was, I try not to, I've done a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of recovery. I know this is about his issues, not mine. Mm -hmm. But then it was pointed out to me as I thought about it and someone, another friend echoed it was that luckily I'm healthy and well, but I went through the AIDS crisis from the time, you know, from its beginnings, seeing it happen when I was like 16 until we got the cocktail and it was working and people weren't dying as much by the late nineties. Mm -hmm. So that was nearly 20 years that I endured, survived this and survived this plague that where yeah. so many people, including my boss and my uncle and close friends, you know, died around me. Some of whom I, mm -hmm saw up very close die and and i was thinking and this friend was like i said echoing how dare this young gay man you know say this to you when like so many of my friends our friends are dead mm -hmm. it's wild that you know as you say you know everyone is either going to get to your age or, yeah. or die before then and it's yeah the alternative, I think most of us would agree, is worse. Uh, yeah. So it's it's odd to me to hear that about that kind of ageism, like being so worried about aging or disliking the idea of aging so much that you would prefer death. <laughs> like. Yes. And I think that's a part of our culture. And I think with this specific individual, and I'm not saying that all younger people feel that way. And like, I think a lot of people that what are we even calling millennials or the next ones or whatever? Like <laughs> I have really good friends in their twenties who are very interested in like what people my age and older went through with the AIDS crisis. And they are appreciative and, and, and honoring of that. Right. And are grateful for the work that was done. And just this person in particular, who is supposedly a community leader, or at least would like to be, I thought right. the supreme ignorance and, and ugliness of that was really jarring, you know? Right. Like I've, I've said to a lot of people who responded or reached out to me and messaged me after that went viral, mm -hmm. they were like, hey, these young kids just don't know. And I'm like, they don't know. And guess what? I'm glad they don't know. I am grateful they don't have to know. Mm. Is it important to you now to to be open about your age and like tell people how old you are? Well, I it was. And then this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Because my fear, my fear before was that I wouldn't work because of my age. I still want to play the if the character's thirty eight. I could still go in for that and pull it off. But like, I have had enough of a career that I don't have to have a day job or worry about money and and until I retire. Nice. So I was like, why not just come out? Why not be the change you want to see in the world? And so I was open about it. Mm -hmm. And then you have people like this. And you want to take a step back, but then I, I um, was like, no, now that I, this is kind of like a, become a platform for me, I have to continue to. <laughs> right.
Um, and the other thing that I realized about claiming one's age, which I'm not, I turned 56 on May 10th, but I'm like, if I say I'm 50 or 38 or 42, I rob my story and my experience of what actually happened and what I actually went through. Mm-hmm. You know, I came of age sexually during AIDS. You know, I lived as a, as I, I lived as an out gay man since eight to a degree. And you just have to, it's living authentically and in terms in mm-hmm. order to live authentically, why not be open about my age? Right. Yeah. Because it provides that context about your story and yes. the way your life yes. happened. Also with actors, with IMDb since it started, it's like 1990, I was on Wings and you can go online and watch it or stream it. And I'm not a baby. I'm in my early 20s. You know, right. like, you can't lie. You know? <laughs> At a certain point, you weren't going to get away with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So you mentioned ageism being part of our culture. Were you talking about like the queer community specifically? Like how does ageism kind of manifest in in queer culture specifically? I think that it's about sexual desirability. And I Mm. think that there's been this, these, some of it's marketing and advertising and, you know, but underneath that all in terms of like, who do I want to mate with? And the reptilian brain, (laughs) the reptilian biological baseline is like, I want young, healthy person to make babies with. That's all culture. And so we all have that in us. And so Mm -hmm. um, I just know in like the gay male culture, specifically speaking of the, of the white gay male culture, which can be so very toxic. Mm. um, It's just that, you know, the idolization of abs and muscles and everything is because people think that that's sexually desirable. Mm. You said in your in your rant that went viral, or you were talking about respecting gay elders. Um, what can we, uh, the younger gays, but also the youngers in general, do to to help respect gay elders? Well, I think that the first thing you have to do is to remember you will be that old one day, or you'll mm-hmm. be dead, and you should plan on hopefully being alive. So. With that in mind, treat others as you would treat, uh, you know, as you would yourself want to be treated. You know, the golden rule. Mm. How can I listen, care, check in and at, reach out? You know, not every not every older gay person is as amazing as me, obviously, <laughs> or as open and, and willing to, like, listen and, and respond. But many people are. And um, th- there's going to be a, an aging gay population, which one day you will be a part of. And I'm not saying it's going to look dreary. I think it's going to be fucking fabulous. I'm so ready. Like, you know, can you not that every, you know, it's just going to be just like the fun compounds or apartment buildings or, you know, retreats. It's going to be like I said a long time ago when I was having my own struggles with feeling getting older, looking older. I was another one when I was in my 20s and 30s. I'll never get old. You know, I'm going to die before I before I have to be that old. So I kind of understood in a way the way that guy was talking about until I almost did die. And then I was like, oh, shit, no, I want to live, Mm. you know, Um, because I almost drank myself to death. And it Mm. was not a great idea. But I was like, I'm going to once I get sober, I was like, I'm going to age like no one else. I don't have to age like certainly not like my straight parents or my straight grandparents. And I know that I can have a, a, a romantic and sexual loving life as long as I want to. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
the one pearl I can hand over is to each person is like, you will have the opportunity more than any generation before you to age how you want to age and how you want to age. Mm-hmm. And maybe you do want to get to the rock, to the, whatever that to, tomorrow's version of the rocking chair is by 60 or retire in your fifties. Um, Maybe you do want to have a nice quiet life and go to bed early every night. Maybe you want to party your freaking ass off and <laughs> as long as you can stand or, you know, the, or do yoga or whatever you want to do. But like yeah. you can live the way you want. Mm. Just you got to keep your joy going. Like I've been able to continually and on a daily basis access my joy about the world, you know, just no matter what's going on. And I think that keeps you young. Doing this episode made me realize, I guess, how deeply ingrained our biases about age can be. Mm-hmm. I never realized that my my default assumptions about getting older were that it sucked. <laughs> and my, my default assumptions about being older were that you're, you get tired and you get sad and, you know, your world is gray and life sucks. Uh, but that's that's not true and it doesn't have to be. So I'm going to try to interrogate and pick apart these ideas and these assumptions a bit more when I, I notice myself making them. Elena, the more I think about it now, the more it makes sense to me that age should be taken out of uh, the equation. Mm. We ask these questions because we want to pigeonhole people based on their age. Hmm. So I guess I'm I'm just never going to know your exact age and <laughs> it's time to make my peace with that. <laughs> I'm Harvinder Vadva. And I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. Thanks for getting inappropriate with us. Many thanks to Ashton Applewhite, Elizabeth Wellington, and Sam Pancake for speaking to us. You also heard voice notes from Ian Mackay, Helen Grace, Sarah, and Benjamin. Check out cbc.ca slash IQ podcast for a full transcript and more resources. The merrymates behind this podcast are Sabrina Birch, Cindy Long, and Elena Hudgens-Lyle. The show is mixed by Andrew Norton. Our digital producers are Judy Ziyigu and Sarah Clayton. The senior producer of CBC Podcasts is Tanya Springer, and the executive producer is Arif Narani. An inappropriate question is like being asked for ID or not being asked for one, whichever annoys you more. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.